In a new age world filled with delusions and wish fulfillment by morons in need of attention, renowned experiencers of high strangeness and podcasters Jeffrey Ritzman and Jeremy Vaney received invitations to a tropical paradise getaway called Paratopia. Little did they know, it was the same type of new age spiritual retreat they've been avoiding all their lives. Don't be shy. Aliens respect all life, except the cow. Come on, you can shake it. Yeah. Of course the Nordics are vegans. <laughs> Who loves steak? Anything goes in Paratopia. <laughs> and welcome. Shut up, shut up, shut up, This is going to be the greatest shut moment up. of my life. Shut up, shut up. Don't ruin this for me. Are you ready? Okay. One. All right. Two. Okay. Two. Three, push! Uh, what? Holy crap, Jer, we broke it. How do you, we broke a cow. How do you break a cow? I don't know, dude. Place is weird, dude. We gotta get out. We gotta get out of here. I don't know. I don't, we gotta get out. I don't of know here. if we've covered that in the last like fourteen episodes. How weird this place is, but it's weird. Yeah, <laughs> that. <laughs> you know what, Jeff? Isn't so funny. What is that under that? That that. What is that? An intestine? Move, move that thing. That shit's moving. <laughs> Ugh. Easy. Easy. Jeffy's moving. I think I gotta... I think I gotta... <laughs> oh. You alright? Yeah, I just threw up real throw up. Oh. Yeah. Ew. Well, kind of move a large chunk aside there and let's see who that is. Uh, yeah, no problem. Dude, that's Rob... Rouser, right? Yeah. Say that ten times fast. No. Rouser right. Is that how you say it? How do you say that name? Rouser? I think it's Rouser. Rouser. All right. Have it your way, Rob. Rouser. God. Promise I'll never get that wrong again. Is that your, that's your grandfather, Harold Green. Holy crap. You know what, guys? Why don't you, um, since you're here, inside of a, what appears to be a breakaway cow in the middle of a field in a vacation paradise that has turned... Sour for us. Uh, yeah, since you're here, why don't you uh, come to our uh, podcast booth and we'll do a, uh, or should I say booth? Because you are Canadians, right? Booth? And we'll do a um, an interview about uh, Catamue Talations. Oh, come on, Rob. Don't shook your head at me. I promise I'll say your name root and give you a proper introduction. God, I never knew Canadians were so Scottish. I, I always thought they were more French. But that's the American education system for you. Oh, he's screwing things up. Glad we got that right. Please welcome to Paratopia, Rob Rouser. Is that right? Am I saying that correctly? Rouser. Rouser. I'm going to say that wrong every time. Rob Rouser. 
uh, and his grandfather, Harold Green. Is that correct? Green, yes. yes. Okay. Now, Rob, uh, you may know as Foundry Man from our message boards or from the Paracast message boards. Um, when I had said that little bit about wondering um, about cattle mutilations and insurance and how that might all play out, uh, he actually emailed me. Turns out his, his grandfather has looked into this. Um, but coincidentally, before we get to that, Rob, why don't you tell us your incidental background story of cattle mutilations? <clears throat> no problem. Um, this is sort of how, this is the start of the circle. This is all how it came about, I guess you'd say. Um, basically started 1983. I was five years old at the time. And I was living with my parents on an estate, which is just outside Calgary. It's in a uh, near a little town called Indus, Alberta. Basically, it was late spring, early summer. Um, you know, up until this point, being five years old, I didn't really have any context for death in general. So, you know, one night, Dad comes in the house. He's in a frenzy get the kids, you got to come down and see this, you know, so my mom, I guess she must have just packed us all in the truck, and uh, we headed down, it was just after the sun had set, it was pretty dark out, and uh, I just remember a lot of confused male adult voices, a lot of questioning tones, and and then when I finally parted through them to sort of see what, what it was they were fussing about. I saw this, you know, pretty much textbook cattle mutilation scenario, this this large, cored out, dead cow. You know, having seen it at night, it was, uh, it was pretty spooky. I remember the sound of hundreds of flies. And uh, I'll never forget anything about that experience other than that kind of like summed it up into that, that darkened mental picture that I got of that night there. I went back the next day with mom just to get a better look at it in the light time. And, uh, you know, it, like I said, it was textbook. Its heart was removed. Its anal and reproductive stuff was surgically cored out. Um, <clears throat> the jaw flesh, which was kind of creepy, was removed right to the bone, but only in the sections. So you could still see where the flesh would would be on the bone like and it was uh, it was pretty amazing i mean like once again you know uh no coyotes no nothing no scavengers had had approached it and there's there's a lot of scavengers this is uh right down by the bow river in alberta you know it's one of the best habitats for wolves coyotes foxes crows you name it it scavenges down there so nothing had touched it and uh, so having seen it in the daytime, mom took a few Polaroids of it. You know, we basically went back home. Um, now, after that point, and maybe you can help me out with this, Gramps, but uh, it was reported to the RCMP. And uh, that's the Royal Canadian Mountain Police. Yeah, that's, authority, yeah. that's correct. And uh, provincial authority. And... Uh, they came out and they said, don't talk about this. Basically said, it's scavengers, shut up, and, you know, shoot it, shovel it, and shut up about it. So, you know, like, having grown up with that my whole life, I've kind of really, really hardened around 
that culture of ignorance is just so wrong. Like, why would you not want to talk about this? Hmm. Rob, was there any, um, was there any torn up ground around the body or, you know, blood spots or spatters, any place like that around there? Well, like once again, Jeff, I was five. So like, I was, yeah, I was probably standing there with like my mouth wide open, you know, stunned. I, I wouldn't have been able to check for the minutiae of it. Uh, I don't know, Grandpa, did you actually see that cow? No, I saw the photographs, and they were around here, but my wife uh, tells me that the, all the photographs are still with your mother in PEI. She's got the pictures of it. And right. uh, from what I gather from the images, uh, you were five years old. It looked like a big cow, but this was a, a heifer, yeah. I think, uh, okay. about a yearling, year old. And it probably weighed, uh, oh, I don't know, it wouldn't have weighed 600 pounds, I don't think. And a full-grown would weigh 12, 1250, something like that, you know. But I can see a five-year-old looking at it and seeing a big cow there. But Basically, yeah, uh, big dead animal. Yeah, hmm. but at age five, it's, it's, it's six times bigger than a dog, so it looks large mm -hmm. to a young child. Mm -hmm. I were. But I saw pictures of it, and... Uh, track of all of the cattle mutilations for the insurance company, okay? And uh, that particular one, my, my, my daughter, your mother, was kind of worried about cattle mutilations because I had just casually talked about cattle mutilations and mm -hmm. the response I got from the police and whatever. And uh, like you say, uh, shut up about it. And uh, your father had told me at that time that the police uh, was a a woman constable and a man constable, I think, if I remember correctly, and they said it never happened. Don't say it happened. Don't talk about it, whatever. If you right. involve us in the conversation, we'll deny it, and you're in, you're in deep shit. You're hmm. in trouble. Yeah. Okay? Because this kind of thing is don't happen. Dad still doesn't talk about it. No. But the general consensus from police or from everybody that didn't understand anything was that the, the only thing they could attribute it to was a cult factor. Well, mm -hmm. I cannot rule out with my statistics that cults don't go where my marks went to mutilate yeah. cattle. Okay. Yeah, why, why would they? Well, let's get into your marks, Harold. Uh, when, first of all, when did you um, begin investigating this stuff? It was before this cattle mutilation? Yeah, I was uh, in charge of a claims department at the... At, uh, insurance company. For, I would work for them for 43 years. One of the tasks I had at one particular t phase of all that years was animal uh, losses. Okay, now we didn't specifically insure animal losses, but they were covered on the general insurance policy. People like Hartford Insurance specialized in cattle mm -hmm. and hay and farms and whatever, the Hartford group. But uh, I was keeping track of them thinking to myself that uh, while there, if somebody ha would report one, I could single out what I, my thoughts were about what, what, what the deceased cattle, uh, what, what, did, what, what attributed to the loss of the, of the cattle. It's not hit by a train. It's not hit on a highway. Uh, right. Ground in a dugout or something like that where they store water in the ground or whatever, and I was keeping track on a map, and then I thought to myself, this is unusual, 
because there's a similarity between between where one happens and the next one happens and the next one and the next one. And marking on the map, I didn't really, really occur to me to begin with that these were, oh, they, incidentally, at that time, there was big splashing news headlines in Calgary, Calgary Herald newspaper, about all these cattle mutilations, and they were getting everybody interested in it or upset or interested in, in these cattle mutilations. And about once a month, you'd see an article where some farmer had lost a cow to uh, mutilation. That was how you initially started reporting these, right? Or recording I started, these? I started marking them down yep. where they were and, and plotting them on a map. And I thought, well, mm -hmm. let's see now. If there was such a thing as, a, as unidentified flying objects, and there were in Alberta sightings and whatever. In fact, in northern Alberta, they've got a, a circle built, so welcome back, uh, you know, uh, don't phone homeland here, you know, for the youth. <laughs> I forget now, it's Vegreville or, or one of those towns in north of Edmonton, or up by Edmonton in the northern part of the province. So I said, well, okay, now if I was a UFO manager and I was looking, surveying the whole area, I would pick up here at Mount Robson's, the highest, highest point in the Rockies at 9,500 feet. Uh, I'd draw a line from there. So I drew a line from there just pulling around, penciling, down to Pincher Creek, which I had one marked at Pincher Creek. Okay, a mutilation. Yeah, the next line went down to the south around Lethbridge, the next one down, and I got Brooks and, and Jem, Alberta, and all the way across the province. Okay, then I started to to put dots on the map, then I started the, on the horizontal, and I thought, you know, this is strange, there's 40 miles between this one and 40 miles between that one, and look at these little squares, and they have one in every corner. Mm -hmm. I thought that seemed strange, and it kept persisting, persisting, and I thought, uh oh, here's one. There's no dot in the corner. Okay, up by Rocky Mountain House. So I looked up. I went and got a uh, a, a map of the province that shows who owns the land. It's provincial ownership maps. So I traced out the owner of that little parcel. It was about a section of land up in there, 360 acres. And I marked the the where the dot was, and I phoned that farmer, and I said, they didn't talk about mutilations or anything, I just right. said who I was from the insurance company, whatever, I said, investigating whatever, and I said, did you have loss of an animal up in your northwest corner of your property? Yeah, he said, matter of fact, last fall, he says, we lost one cow up there, and he says, we went out in the spring, and he said, uh, we found the carcass, what was left of it, he said, but uh, we figured the wild animal, wolves or coyotes or something, had had attacked it. So, uh, and I said, "Well, did you report to insurance come? No, 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 nothing like that." He said, "We just uh, took it as a loss. We always lose one or two uh, yep. through getting snowdrifts and whatever." So he wasn't concerned with it. But I marked on my map that it, that it was true. There was one there. Oh well, that's not strange. Let's pick another one up here between this highway and that highway, right on main highway. It had a sign on it, like 487 in a, in a circle. And so I looked at it, and I thought, well, the nearest RCMP to that would be uh, to the west uh, at four miles. So I phoned them up, uh, and uh, the uh, they said, well, no, we were too busy with traffic or something like that, he said, but we had the other RCMP that was another 10 miles down the road or 15, 
to come and investigate it, he said. Hmm. And I said, well, it seems strange to me. It'd be right on the highway. He said, no, no. He said, it wasn't on the highway, but just uh, bordering the highway, there's a double fence. There's one fencing uh, p- uh, cattle from going onto the highway, and then beyond that, there's another fence that's so many yards wide where the farmer there, because there's an airfield airstrip there, he says, and the farmer's got a fence off, so that cattle can go from one pasture to another through this narrow gap between the highway and that fence right behind that 487 sign. And I thought, well, geez, isn't that, isn't that remarkable? So that's oh. two. And I took three, I think, three or four of them and phoned up people to ask them if they'd lost cattle, and they said yes. I thought, well, my squares works out good. Every 40 miles, every corner of that 40 miles, uh, would be a mutilation. Now, except for Jem, Alberta, going to the uh, southeast part of the province, down in the lower part, there was a horse that was that was mutilated, and I thought, well, that that the, the theory of cattle only is dispelled. So then I, uh, um, Gramps, let me stop you right there for a sec because you said that another anomalous one was the one at Indus, wasn't it? Well, I'll get to that, because okay. these are all marked on my map at, thir- not 30 degrees, but 29 degrees. Every line from north to south is at 29 degrees, going around in a circle, going north finally, okay? And when your mother said to me that uh, she was worried, I said, oh, don't worry, I said, you're right in the middle of my squares. Can't happen. And yet it happened right in the center, right exactly in the center of the square. Right, almost like, almost like that. If you were you were paying attention to the phenomenon, it almost paid attention to what you were doing. That's right. Yeah, and exactly right in the center, here comes this one at Indus. So she says, "Dad, <laughs> Dad," she said, "You're wrong about that one." And I said, "Yes, I am." But I said, "I'm as surprised as you are." All right, mm-hmm. but when we get down to Brooks, Alberta, right in the center of my square is a great big corral where they corral all these cattle up and fatten them up before they ship them. And right in the middle of the corral, there's one. Now there mm-hmm. could be a thousand cattle in that in that lot. I don't know, but it was right in the Brooks. Uh, it was reported in the newspaper. They couldn't figure it out either. But right in the middle of a whole bunch of them. Not not separate. So I thought myself, you know, if a person went out, got this a dot that wasn't reported, interviewed the person, and he didn't say that he had any mutilation there, okay, and you pick the exact square, get a GPS or whatever you need to identify exactly where that that mark is compared to all the others, all right, mm-hmm. and tether a cow to a tree with a camera, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You could actually be photographed. Well, I mean, theoretically speaking, of course, they say yeah. that these UFOs come down, that all the batteries in cars go dead, and people have to see a bright light, and the car stops and won't start, and all this stuff. Okay, get a camera that doesn't have, it has a Duracell batteries, or whatever they send it. <laughs> 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 <You know? laughs> Electromagnetically grounded or something. Yeah, I hear yeah. you. But you, could actually, you could actually photograph, you know. But now, when it gets to mutilations, 
The RCMP, because there's no footprints, there's nothing. Uh, they're within their reason to say it didn't happen. We're all, we're all of us, even even us, police looking at this dead cow, can't believe our, our, our eyes. So why are we going to try and convince other people to believe the same thing? Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's like that. Uh, Stanford, Stanford said, uh, Stanford Friedman about uh, Roswell. You know, it didn't happen because why panic to get the whole world excited about something you can't explain to them why it's happening or where it's happening or who's responsible. Mm-hmm. So they, they, nobody's injured by any of these things, and and less people are upset, and everybody thinks, well, look out for those cult groups, you know. Mm-hmm. Somebody with a painted face or something—I don't know—but <laughs> this is not cult. I mean, when you get up in Rocky Mountains, where that where that uh, farmer lost that one up in the trees is a wooded area, hard to get at, no roads. You'd have to go through the farmer's field to get there, and he'd see you and say, "Well, what you doing out here?" You know, yeah. it's just—it's you couldn't fly in there. There's trees and whatever. I mean, given the 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 uh, logistics of it, why would you do it in the first place when you could do it easier in the in the corral in the middle of brooks? You know? Okay, Grams, I, I got a quick question for you, something, Jer, Jer, you've been talking about lately in that uh, the way that insurance works with cattle mutilations, the farmers do not get paid for a mutilated cow, am I correct? It's not a coverage. There's no coverage for well, cattle mutilations. How are you going to prove it was mutilated if, if the RCMP report won't? You have to get an RCMP report, and they won't give a report out. Mm-hmm. What about? Sorry, what about scavengers? No, no. I mean to get paid for the carcass. I mean, first thing you do if you have an automobile accident, you report to the police and get a police report. Okay, the cattle mutilation, you report to the police, and you don't get a police report because it didn't happen. Now you're going to claim off your insurance company. They're going to say insurance company's going to say, give us a police report. Right, and you can't you can't get one because it didn't happen. You understand? Right, right. I don't know how many people would have tried that. Harold, let me ask. Yeah, let me ask you a question quickly here. Uh, The insurance companies, if if they were allowed to report cattle mutilations, would there not be a lobby of uh, insurance people asking the government to figure out what is going on here? Uh, no. My my first answer is no. A lot of people were asking. Not people that put their name down or be responsible for saying, I want an investigation. Although politicians and, and like Stanford, he wanted all that stuff, to, the government to come out of the, the weeds and, and, and say it did happen. But nobody's going to admit it happened because, you know, they're not uh, uh, veterinarians. No, no one's going to admit it, but I'm, I'm saying it would insurance companies, they don't want to lose money, so... Do you think well, it's, it, not a, it's not a question of money. It's, it's a question of probable risk. If they had a risk that they had to pay out on, they'd charge a premium for it. They'd be happy because they'd be charging premiums for people that didn't live in the corners of my squares. They'd get more money than they'd pay out. So huh. it's not a question of reneging insurance. It's like hail insurance. We can, you can buy hail insurance, and they plotted all the hail damage that ever happened in Alberta. And if you're up in uh, an area that sweeps through the center of Alberta, there's a thousand dots on the on the the insurance company's maps, and they say it's going to cost you, we'll say example only, ten dollars an acre for for uh, for uh, hail insurance. 
But if you live in sunny Alberta, or sunny Calgary, where there's, say, there's no hail, yeah. or it's not very much, that might be five dollars, and that might cost you only three dollars an acre. Mm-hmm. Okay, they've got figured out hail insurance to cover farmers against loss of crops and whatever, and they they studied that hail that hail damage for many many years. Okay, and they do they do insure hail insurance, you know, and other aspects of farming that uh, like hay in storage. That's a good uh, profit maker because how much hay in storage burns up. Mm-hmm. You know, it could if the farmer wasn't uh, watching and a prairie fire came over to his big uh, mound of b- hail bales. But the farmer is very careful. He's going to build up a whole mound of hail bales. He's going to plow a field around it so the farm, so that the uh, fire doesn't uh, destroy that or his whole farm, you know? They, they do that. Well, do you have any idea, or even just a thought? I'm sure you know none of us really know, but why they would, whoever this is or whatever this is, would return the, the cattle? And it's the same it. question. Why? Why, if you're genetically sampling something, why don't you just pop down, take a blood sample? You know, why do you need the whole cow? It is the mystery of it all, isn't it, eh? It is it's a million dollar question. Well, you had said that you thought that um, that that perhaps they were sort of. Um, I don't know if communicating with you necessarily, but but knew what you were thinking or were in tune with with how you were thinking. Um, well, I had that I had that thought for the moment on my, on my daughter's place that these that this was exactly in the center uh, and it shouldn't have been there. Okay, right in the center of my square, but that's not notwithstanding that it could have been, could have been occurring uh, somewhere else in the world. Okay. Or something, some other phenomena. I don't know. It's just no. I've got no answer for it. it just happened. Period. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it happened there in that particular place or not. I don't know. But here we are having this discussion now. I mean, right. In other circle. words, I mean, Rob, you had said that you thought that that your having witnessed a cattle mutilation was a coincidence to what your grandfather has been studying. But it sounds like it might not be. It sounds like it might be sort of a wink and a nudge in a way, right? Because it was. In a place where it well, should have been. Yeah, it's okay. it's funny too, and like I mean, I because of that, that was the first weird thing that ever happened to me, and probably the one of the weirdest. So, you know, here I am, years later, uh, delving into personal research on the subject because it it fascinates me, and you know, then one thing leads to another, and the next thing I know, I'm listening to Paratopia, and you started mentioning insurance. <laughs> and, and we still haven't gotten to the well, bottom of. <laughs> I marked I marked down maybe one hundred to one hundred and fifty cattle mutilations that there was re, there was reported either in the newspaper or it came to my attention through insurance. Okay, mm-hmm. and there could have been many more. Uh, we'll say, for example, if there happened to be ten thousand not reported, that would make sense that you could put one in every corner. Mm-hmm. But it didn't happen that way. The way it happened is the ones that were reported that I read about, I marked them on the map, and it was exactly each one of them, exactly that 40 miles apart right on the corner of the other square, okay? In other words, mm-hmm. there was one at one corner of the square. The bottom corner of that square was 40 miles. The next one south of that was 40 miles, 40 miles, 40 miles. It was like it was a somebody was harvesting something. Mm-hmm. 
okay? And I don't know in the the only as far as that uh, uh, removing parts of the animal. Uh, that's all hearsay, as far as I'm concerned. And what your father told me about what happened to that one there, he also told me at that time that there was a fly on the tree next to that animal with his wings outspread. And he said, when a, a, he tells me when a fly dies, it closes wings up. But he says, here's a fly on the tree dead with his wings spread out. Right. Okay? Spread out. Right. Like getting ready to take off. Yeah, and you could just pick it off the tree. It was dead, eh? Unbelievable. Tim. And he pointed that out, I think, to the uh, police that were there at the time. Mm. You know, they were kind of like looking around, eh, and seeing what well, your dad is very observant, you know? Were there any mm -hmm. corresponding UFO reports from that night? Any what? Corresponding UFO reports from that night? No, no. The UFO phenomena kind of cleared the air, and then the cattle mutilation started after that. We're talking 1975 to 85, but the UFO reports were all uh, kind of uh, died out, and and uh, there was no reports, and then the cattle mutilation started. Now, one other phenomenally important thing is I'm dealing with Alberta, okay, and we border Montana on the south and, and this province of Saskatchewan on the east. I had one report of a cattle mutilation in the Calgary Herald newspaper again, occurring at Seanovan, Saskatchewan, which is the <coughs> southwest quadrant of, of the province. So I had to go and get another map that uh, was the same mileage per square, uh, mileage, the mileage maps and whatever, patch them together to find out if my line, my line I was drawing going uh, southeast, it touched touched Shonovan, Saskatchewan. When I lined up them, the maps and drew a map, the same phenomena occurred in Shonovan, Saskatchewan, the next province, that was occurring in Alberta. The line actually lined up completely to uh, oh. Russ, to Red Deer, Brooks, Jim, whatever it was, places, all the way down through to Shonovan, Saskatchewan. Like a big cross-section. Yeah, that's uh, like, uh, what, 80 miles from the U.S. border. I presume mm. the same kind of mutilations occurred in Montana, went through to the south, okay? But, you know, unless you get reports or, or, or really do a deep, in-depth study or get a group of people to, to mark down where these are occurring and correlate the maps together, you might, you might now find out that there is a, an intelligent system of harvesting Whatever, okay? It could possibly be. You said you said there was there were cattle mutilations in Colorado. Is that a widespread thing at the moment? Yeah, there's a lot of Colorado mutilations happening right now. In um, Colorado, in Colorado, yeah. okay. Yeah, and uh, weirder things going on. A lot more of the animals being taken. You know, happening. You know, calves. One week old calves. It's happening too. Okay. Um, Older cows, older cows at the end of their life cycle, it's happening too as well. So, okay, is anybody recording where those are occurring? Are um, too bad or what? Yeah, well, you know, Linda Moulton Howe's done a lot of the reporting on that recent bout of that stuff. Well, if if, if you've got a central coordinating factor there, where it's happening, and more than that is 
as as uh, the systematic if there's any change in in the schematics of one area to another, so nothing overlaps. Okay, but if it's a straight, everything cases the same, the same, the same, and you've got areas exactly where they're occurring. Okay, you may be able to draw a map. Well, now let's see. Oh yeah, one should happen here. Should happen here. Right, it's an appliable template that you have for this. Exactly. Exactly. Now you well, may be getting through to finding on your own or through a group, or it's going to take a lot of sustained. Uh, you know, people got to really be interested in it. Uh, you know, have the same ilk as I call it. You know, to yeah, really so say, say to themselves, "Let's figure this out." Mm. Let's take Harold Green's thing map and corners and, and whatever and blocks and say, is this harvesting or is it random or is it what? Right. How, how can we apply to our field? Are the police in Colorado recording these and telling the owner that it's a mutilation and mark it on a, on a, a sign thing or not? Or are they still mum about stuff like that? That's just it. There's no coordinated single effort dealing with this. There's, there's minor law enforcements in regional sections of the states and Canada. And, I, you know, I watched a documentary last night called Cattle Files where, you know, it was really postulated that, that this was the government doing this. And, you know, it was, it was a pretty bad documentary. I mean, yeah, but talking a lot, you know, but, but the basic point being that, you know, law enforcement is... Some guys are interested in it. Some guys don't want to have anything to do with that much paperwork, I'm sure, at the end of the day. Well, yeah, but I'm not talking paperwork. I'm talking about if a farmer says, my prize bull is mutilated, yeah. here's my address and whatever, can you come out and confirm in writing that that's what happened? Okay, could I sell bull semen or some other reason he wants that police to mark it down there? Would they mark it down? I say no, they wouldn't. Okay, mm -hmm. they wouldn't start the ball rolling because you know you you can't explain to mass populations. People in the city would do not cattle. People in the city say, "Well, gee, lock up your kids now. If it isn't pedophiles now, <laughs> yeah. they're going to lose their their genitals." You know, <laughs> I mean, mass hysteria. You got to avoid that at all costs. Mister Green, I have a question for you. Um, now, I'm just trying to get a handle on the, the whole grid system that you worked up uh, for the mileage between mutilation to mutilation. You're saying it was a 40-mile uh, square. Now, was the square just orientated like north-south? Is that how it was laid out? No, because my initial starting point started in the northwest. And okay. so when I draw my lines down, uh, except going straight south, my lines went over to the east at 30 degrees, approximately 30 degrees, about 29 degrees. Okay. Okay, going east. Okay, and I didn't change that. I didn't move my focal point from, from the northwest over to the north. Okay. But I could have, but I didn't do it. I had a, one map and I had a pencil, sharp mm -hmm. pencil, and I was going over, going east at approximately uh, 39, uh, de 39 degrees. Okay. Did you did you ever um, uh, now you, you what you're basically saying is within a, within that square that forty mile square in one of the corners 
there's going to be a mutilation. Is that right. that's what we're saying, right? Exactly. Did, yeah. did you ever, when you were talking to the farmers uh, who had the the dairy cows, did um, did you ever happen to make like a control call? Just maybe call outside of the the square in any direction and say, "Have you had any cows come up missing or mutilated?" No. Okay. No, I just called the person on my dock. There should have been one there, and there was. Okay. Exactly though, where it was, where I'd marked it. Right. Okay. I'm just I'm trying you to establish, like you know, how prevalent would that have been? Um, been. Yeah, at all. I mean, uh, I know that. Uh, see, I'm in I'm in Maryland, and and here we don't have any natural predators that are going to go after a cow. Right. Uh, at, at least not where I'm at, because I worked on a dairy farm for a number of years, and okay. uh, none of those would. Um, there's nothing. I mean, the worst we have around here is a fox, and a fox right. would get stomped exactly. his skull flat. So, exactly. um, so around here, I could see it to be really odd. But now, up in Canada, we have bear, um, you know, wolf, uh, all that sort of thing. Um, and I have to wonder, you know, how prevalent is the loss of cattle up there in this way? I mean, um, well, like uh, I say again, I took. Uh, three of them where mm -hmm. I phoned myself to find out if they had a mutilation on my dot and they said yes. Hmm. Even phoning the police and they said no. yes. Okay? And I didn't, uh, you know, you could spend thousands of dollars phoning people, mm -hmm. okay, and getting nil answers, whatever. But for my purpose, I wanted to find out whether or not a mutilation occurred on my do my map, on my dots, mm -hmm. and they did. Okay, at that particular time, I was wasn't that. I was just for my own satisfaction, right? That my theory was correct. Right, but with like, sorry, just to interject for a sec, like Jeff, you're more curious about how prevalent it is that that large predators uh, take mm -hmm. cows out of the herd on a regular basis. No, and no, yeah, I know what you're saying. <clears throat> the one at Rocky Mountain House, he said he thought he lost it to predators. It happened mm -hmm. to be on my dock, okay? Hmm. Uh, the one okay. by the highway, where the RC, uh, the northern Alberta, where the highway, where I phoned the police, and they had that fence between the highway and back a few yards, yep. that mutilation. Yep. There's no predators in that area. Right. At all. No, Plus, so it's, it's, it's easier to say to some stranger on the phone, yeah, it's predators, not, yeah, no, no it's a mutilation. Is. I uh, know. This is why why I'm saying to you that I don't believe it's predators. And that farmer said he lost. He believed he lost predators because he had lost cattle before the predators up in the mountainous area there. Eh? Yeah, like like it does. It does happen frequently, and most farmers up here have a shotgun and know when a cougar is on their property. Yeah. So. Well, the one at Rocky Mountain House could have been a predator, but it happened to be right on my dot. Right. Okay. And what I'm saying is, uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't even have mentioned it. I'd left it blank if, if the farmer said, oh, yeah, we shot a wolf. Right. Or we saw wolf tracks or something, but nothing. He just said, we presume it was. Okay. And I was right on my dot, and I took the, I, I phoned them. I mean, Alberta is 188,000 square miles. 
<laughs> and mm-hmm. phone, you know, it's 800, it's, it's uh, what is it, 350 miles wide, Alberta, at the, at the nearest point, that's average, mm-hmm. okay? And from north to south would be uh, 800 miles. Hmm. Well, it would be more than that, 1,350 miles. we got a hell of an area uh, of land uh, where if I've got one dot on a map and the farmer says to me, and I'm phoning him, mm-hmm. and he says he presumes it was a predator but can't, did, can't prove it, mm-hmm. even mutilations in that farmer probably lived there all his life and his grandfather affirmed that and to him a predator could be a UFO and he'd still call it a predator. <laughs> right. You know? Right. But I'm not concerned with that and the reliability of that one uh, nor the one where I phoned the RCMP and they said, oh, the other RCMP investigated that one. It was a mutilation. But it's in a it's in a, an area where you build two fences. I think he said it was 18 rods, whatever that is in distance. Mm-hmm. A a few hundred feet across, so the farmer could allow his cattle to go from one grazing field to another, to the east. And here it happened right, there's an airstrip there, and right off the highway. Hmm. Yeah, a pretty narrow strip of land, like very highly, highly, highly coincidental. Yes, exactly. Well, what um, what what happened with the um, as far as your work, Harold? Did you ever have to get called out to go examine one of these cattle no. that were laying there? No, no. So you never no. did that, okay? No. My object was to say, okay, what breed is it? How much does uh, it weigh? Farmers mm-hmm. mostly honest. Weighs a thousand pounds. The, the cattle price I had in front of me, I say, okay, it's a dollar a pound. It could be fluctuating up or down. He said, okay. that's that suits me fine, okay, $1,000, and plus $10 to ship it to market, to the auction sale, whatever. Right. That. And he okay. said, sure, send me a check. Hmm. Okay? And that's how it worked. Right. And he said it was 1,250 pounds. I'd say, okay, is, what breed is it? Okay? Now, if he had a Charolais, a French white cow, as you call it, they're fat and, and ugly and big when they're born, you know? 1,000 pounds when they're born. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, I'd have to agree on his weight. Okay, hmm. so it was a question of just coughing out a check. Anything I had authorization up to five thousand dollars to, to for, for any claim, like you know. Right. See, I just I still have a hard time. You know, I, I don't know how it is there, but I know in America. I mean, insurance companies will lobby uh, Washington over anything, and I would think that. If they had to pay for uh, mutilated cattle, that they would lobby Washington to get to the bottom of what was mutilating them. Since they don't have to pay for it, they don't lobby Washington, and that would be a great reason to to uh, return the cows when you're done mutilating them. Well, again, I'm saying that if an insurance company has a uh, has a uh, uh, abundance of accidents on Highway X. Okay, we have one highway in Calgary, the Deerfoot Trail. The speed limit is 100 kilometers. It's the only one, no, 110, I think, whatever. 100 kilometers through the city, where most of the places are 30 kilometers. There's, uh, we, get, uh, we get a skiff of snow and there's 160 accidents because people are traveling too fast. Okay, but in Calgary, 
the rates are four times higher than they are anywhere in the province on account of the accidents. Insurance companies are making a lot of money, okay, off the premiums. And they can, they can predict when we're all going to die, and they charge a certain premium for that, like life insurance. Insurance companies will always be there, and unless they pull an EIG on you and invest in something that's not proper, okay, they're millionaires. Mm-hmm. Okay, so would, would it, sorry, quick question, Gramps. Would it not be to their advantage to offer cattle mutilation insurance? Well, you can insure a pig iron underwater or get shot <laughs> in, a, in a rope with a pirate. <laughs> you can buy any abduction mainly, insurance at this point. Yeah. <laughs> mainly insurance companies are not into that fringe stuff. Yeah. Right. Well, also, how would you how would you ever prove? I mean, I mean, for lack of a better word, I mean, we had a we had a heifer on the farm I was at, and she wouldn't the milk uh, that she produced was crap if she ever did, and <laughs> and uh and and they got they got tired of putting up with this one because she kept jumping fences and wrecking shit, and you know, eventually uh, they slaughtered her, and uh, just because she was more trouble than she was worth. Well, I could very well see. Uh, you know, if, if a farmer's got a, a freezer full of meat and he doesn't need, uh, you know, he, he needs some money, he's going to off one of his uh, one of his heifers or one of his bulls and, uh, you know, and call it a mutilation. I mean, frankly, I mean, it's it wouldn't be a whole lot to core the rectum out of a, a cow and, and rip, a, <laughs> rip, a, you know, rip, rip out its jaw muscles and stuff. I mean, Pretty big at that point, <laughs> yeah, I mean, who are you blaming for it? You know, I mean, it's kind of like an open invitation to file a claim because there's no explanation for it. So, Yeah, most beef they advertise is aged, A-G-E-D, aged 30 days mm-hmm. or aged six months where they slaughter it, they, they hang it up by the heels and cut its throat and mm-hmm. it bleeds properly and all these nice things happen to make aged beef, mm-hmm. okay? Now you're cattle mutilation aged uh, four hours because everything is cleaned out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's, right. It's, it don't make sense. Yeah. And, and why, why isn't the farmer lobbying Washington for all these uh, migratory birds dumping these seeds on the property and making cows and animals sick? Mm. Okay? And you're losing cattle. If you talk to a veterinarian pumping out, out uh, stomachs of horses and cows and sheep and everything else, you know, the, the average, they say that the average cow uh, that they slaughter has so much iron in its stomach, one stomach or the other, and it's barbed wire and everything, they munch and eat it, and they yeah. take tons of, of, of stuff out of cows, mm-hmm. okay, uh, before we get it, okay? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> if, if you wanted to involve insurance companies in it, uh, you know, you see, a successful insurance company, my boss, he died when he was 94, okay? And he told me, he says, Harold, he said, a successful insurance company is one over 100 years old. Mm. Yeah. Okay? If you're not over 100 years old, you're not successful. So what you think you know about risk-taking and what you don't know, there's a big wedge in between there, and you've got a lot of underwriters saying, oh, look, boss, let's underwrite mobile homes. Let's underwrite these, okay? And say, gee, that sounds like a good idea. Somebody's building these motor homes, okay? A motor home is built from the inside out. You can't repair them because they're built from the inside out. When they start to build them, the last thing to go on is the skin. Or, right. you know, they, uh, 
the inside, well, pardon me, everything is built inside out. If you start to repair them, you got problems. you got to take the whole thing apart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like a Ford car. So if you get smoke damage in a trailer or a small fire, usually it's a total loss. But they're not worth much, maybe $100,000, so forth. Okay, so you run statistics on insuring motorhomes, and then finally you say, okay, the premium is going to be so much money to cover all these losses where they were a complete loss, and we thought we could repair them and whatever. And you make a study of it, and you say, why are we insuring mobile homes? Well, (sighs) because people have to have insurance to get banking, to get Mm -hmm. financing. Okay, oh, that's the reason. Okay, so let's put the premium as high as we can. Same with cars. You've got to have a license drive on the highway. Now, at one time you didn't. Montana was the last state of the union to say they'd respect the green card. The green card meant that you were insured in those days, in the 70s, 5, 10, and 1. $5,000, $10,000, and $1,000 property damage. Today, that wouldn't cover a rearview mirror. <laughs> okay, right. but in those days they had a green card. Now you could drive with a green card and a license, and you didn't have to take out an insurance policy unless you had an accident. Where are you responsible? You have an accident. Oh, this guy's had an accident. Oh, now he's got to take regular insurance. Oh, it finally got around to all the places in Canada, the United States, Montana was the last one to have the green card law. There's a different green card than the working card, but they called it the green card. And as long as, because there's place people in Montana would drive for all their lifetime and never go into the city. And never hey, act, so it didn't sound reasonable to charge them for an insurance policy, and they didn't. Um, sorry to interject there, Gramps. I, I just got a quick question. I, I know when I was talking to you about this earlier, I was asking you, if this, if you had ever thought that this would be the military doing this to cows, you asked me that. Hey, nothing to do with military. Who's got military these days? Who ever had military? We never had any military in these in these areas. We got a we got a a military base uh, east of Calgary on the way to Saskatchewan, as you know. Okay, where they Pretty put small. these troops in and train them. Mm-hmm. Now, and we have. Up in the north, uh, we have Wainwright, where they train the Canadian forces, to, and they're confined to base all the time where I take them. Military, from there, they ship them down to Petawawa, Ontario, and then overseas for peacekeeping. Nothing to do with military. And military is, a lot of it, you, you, you don't find, uh, uh, you don't find highly educated people going through these base camps and taking uh, military training with rifles and whatever, uh, that would have a clue what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Not a clue. Except mm-hmm. one might have happened on their phone. <clears throat> but uh, generally speaking, they're not ginned up to this thing. Most people aren't. They don't right. Know, you know, oh, so-and-so had a cattle mutilation. Up Where was it? Oh, up here. Oh, gee, well, well we've got to watch our cattle, I guess, or what? No, we're... RCMP said, you know, uh, don't worry about it, whatever, cult groups, C-U-L-T groups, whatever, oh, well, don't go near there, stay out of the big cities, do this and do, you know, people generally don't react to things, they've got other things to do. Well, Harold, did you did you ever look into um, correlations between um, the lines that you were drawing and, for instance, I don't even know if you're familiar with ley lines or... 
uh, you know, supposed earth grid lines of um, intense, uh, you know, magnetic anomalies, that sort of thing? No, no, there's been no earthquakes, no anomalies in Alberta. And as far as I'm concerned, these cattle mutilations from what, I, what, what I've read uh, happened in Canada, went all down through the states. They've been in Europe, they've been in other countries, okay? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing to indicate anything with any earth vibrations or anything. There's no correlation to that at all. Harold, sure what's the, um, what, on, your, on your grid pattern that you had worked out, uh, that you traced these mutilations, you know, corner to corner, did you, what, was there any sort of chronology order-wise to these things? I mean, no, uh, no, the there was some, no, they didn't happen, one here and one in the next spot. Right. One away up here and one away down there and then way west here and one way okay. east there. No, there's no, there's no given pattern. And this is what okay. I was trying to develop, uh, whether there was a pattern to it. The mm-hmm. only pattern I could develop was their exact distance apart, okay, and they're on a square. Right. You know? Hmm. And if you, could, if you could work that out, you'd have something. Right. I didn't have enough input into it, we'll call it, uh, from all sources to know where other ones might have occurred, but I'm sure if they did, they would be on my squares. Right. The opinion I got at the end of it, except for Rob's one at Indus, which was right. halfway, exactly halfway through. And that was the only one that I heard of. But these happened in British Columbia as well, going to the west. And it happened in Saskatchewan and Manitoba to the east, Ontario, all through Canada and down through the states in the 70s and 80s. It just kind of like covered the whole North America. Well, you got to wonder why you need so many cow parts. Like, Well, I'm, I'm not saying that there are cow parts taken, taken out. <laughs> right. I'm not saying that. If I've got the capacity to go in with a surgical knife and not cut a hair in half to take the anus out of a cow, if I had that that uh, precision doctoring, okay, okay, I could uh, dispose of the parts uh, the same way. I could, you know, maybe I just turn them all into dust right. in my little plane, as it were, eh? And mm-hmm. I could spread that dust all over the place. Or I could take it with me wherever the hell I come from. Yeah. If I want to use enough imagination, I could take him right to r- rock up them out of here. You know? Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying uh, those parts are in somebody's freezer. Uh. I'm thinking to myself, when you when you get to be 80 years old and you start looking at DNA testing and whatever and crossing uh, DNA uh, like an apple with a grape and we got a grapple, that we bought today <laughs> 50 cents a piece, you know, it tastes like, it bites like an apple and tastes like this, you know, and then you get people like the Genesis, uh, like Cargill, uh, developing new strands of this, this, that, and the other thing. Okay. Beefalo. <laughs> they, could be, they could be a thousand years behind their own uh, technology. Somebody else right. could have had that some, or have it somewhere else. And I could take the genes from a, and cattle and horses and mix them together. I don't know. Who knows? I never heard of a case, though, of a sheep being done or mm. a gopher. Uh, I've heard of a sheep. Um, or a bird. There, there have been cat mutilations. Yeah. 
cats. Yeah, I was going to say that. In Texas right now, there's quite a lot of them being reported. I mean, people do love their animals, so a lot of people are talking about excised in half cats with all the organs missing. It's pretty creepy stuff. I can't imagine a kid finding that the next day, how traumatizing that would be. Well, I don't know. I never heard of that one, but everything's new. <laughs> Nothing is new in this world, you know? That's true. But how about fish? Yeah, yeah. Right? What is there? That could have happened first, and they said, hell, to hell with all this fish. Let's find some beef somewhere. <laughs> wow, look what we found. <laughs> you know? You mean they're not vegans? <laughs> they're not, not what? <laughs> vegans? Vegetarians? Yeah. Not mediums. <laughs> oh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, gents, uh, unless, Jeff, do you have anything else? I certainly find the one that appeared in the middle of a square to be a little bit telling um, for, for, for what happened. I mean, you, you, you say you only find them in a, you know, in a corner of the square, and then somebody mentions the center, and boom, there's one in the center. Um, I mean, that certainly seems to fall in line with what we think about. No, so, I didn't say it. You know. I, didn't say it. I didn't say it was in the center. I said mm -hmm. it was in the center. If you cut right through the center of my square. Right, right. Okay, but I mean, I'm that's... saying it's in the center of the square. I didn't really think about where it was in the middle of the square or the, or the side of the square. But it right. was right at the, we'll say, 40-mile square, a 20-mile dice right through it. Right, right. Exactly. Uh, well, I mean... Know. Yeah. Still, all in all, I mean, that's pretty close for, for something to be well inside. In Could very right. well be in the middle of that square. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you, Jeff. It, it, it definitely speaks a lot about what you noticed yourself and your own personal experiences mm -hmm. about how paying attention to it, it pays yeah. attention to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it certainly, uh, certainly falls in line with the, you know, exactly what you think is going to be or perhaps what you kind of throw out there as an idea uh, all of a sudden is in your face. Yeah. Um, which is kind of weird. Almost a pay attention to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had so, that kind of an eerie feeling too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cheers to that. Well, on that note, I think we are finished. Uh Thank you, gents, for and thank yes. you, Rob, for for setting us up with uh, with your grandpa and, and thanks, Grandpa, for uh, yeah, you're welcome. coming on. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thank you very Anytime. much, um, guys. Um, best of luck with the show, and uh, like I really think you guys are doing some good with this. So, oh, thanks. Carry on. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Have a good night. Maybe we should get you to paratroopia into that place. <laughs> oh, there it is. Thanks again, Gramps. Bye <laughs> for now. Bye. Bye bye now. Well, I talked to Gramps about this over Easter dinner and stuff too, and he was saying if you know anybody's listening, anybody who wants to research this, he'll mm -hmm. take the time to sit down with his template and go over it. I know. I know. There's a lot of. He was kind of a little nervous there, and, you know, I know he was just kind of going, but uh, he does have quite a template for how this happens, so. Rob, let me ask you something. Um, I mean, you know why I asked the question about a test call outside of the radius? Yeah. Um, yeah. Is because, you know, how many of these go unreported or, 
I mean, I mean, I can I can tell you the farm I was at. We did have one cow that ended up dead. Uh, nobody saw anything. Nobody mm-hmm. knew what happened. But uh, um, the thing that I saw was um, there was definitely flesh removed from this cow. Right, and she had um, she had developed some kind of of stomach issue, like your grandpa said. These things they'll eat anything, yeah, uh, including your genes, which I found out one day. <laughs> uh, yeah, it sounds and, like and, you're and, and, them. Yeah, yeah, and, and the thing is, is that uh, when you're talking about um, a cow that's been dead, just say three days. Uh, in June around here. I mean, June around here is pretty damn hot. Yeah. And it's it's not unlike, you know, I, I likened it at the time to what they told us in high school about the Civil War soldiers way back in the day. You know, these guys, they laid out in the sun, they bloat, um, the skin tissue becomes incredibly thin, yeah. uh, var- varmints tend to enter the picture at some point. Birds are definitely going for the tongue, eyes, and mm-hmm. ass of these animals. Um, but... Uh, what I what I saw uh, some years later on TV as a cattle mutilation looked a heck of a lot like this, but right. we could very clearly see that there were, for instance, raccoon marks around it. We could see fox tracks. We could see where birds had pecked the eyes out of it. Uh, yeah. But also, we had a large uh, portion of her udders where it looked like they were in a circular pattern. And I like, I asked, I said, still well, attached to the animal, right? Yeah, and I and I even asked, uh, uh, well, the man who owned the farm. Uh, I said, "What the hell does that? You know, it's it's like perfect. It's a perfect circle. Did you cut on this or something, or what? What's the deal?" And he said, "No. He said these animals they tend to get. Uh, of course, uh, you mentioned in the in the very beginning of the show about hearing the flies buzzing around this cow. Yeah. Um. What what." Uh, this guy I'll refer to as Pop because that's that's what I called him was Pop. It, Pop told me that uh, essentially flies will get into the animal by any means necessary, and you know within a matter of hours they can lay larvae that then turn into maggots, and maggots will literally core this thing out from the inside. Yeah. And he said what you're seeing there is them eating. They're actually enzyming the edge of that thing, and they work in a circular pattern, mm-hmm. uh, which has kind of always been my hang up with. Cattle mutilations is that invariably you 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 find these things and they're dead. Um, you know how long have they been dead? How long has the head been missing uh, out of the count? Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, we counted them pretty much every day, and I don't remember missing her. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden there she was. But it must have been a matter of hours that she was dead. But yet she had some of the characteristics of what they talk about. Right, and uh, you, yeah. said, you said, sorry, Jeff, you also said that there had been, like, raccoon marks around the body, yeah. yes. stuff like that. What, what you're describing, I, I honestly, I'd love to say it was mutilation, but it sounds to me like it was just, like you said, stomach problems, cow oh, yeah, died. absolutely, absolutely. But, uh, but I know what you mean, and that perfect circle that you're describing is ringworm, which mm-hmm. is a condition of, it's a parasitic worm, lives under the skin, it forms a perfect circle. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know, I, I, I agree with you. I could see how a lot of these might get misreported. You yeah. Know, well, I mean, my, my thought for saying, have you called outside of the grid, is essentially because if he calls outside the grid enough times, is he going to hit one? 
Um, right. You know, know, I mean, inside the pattern to see if there was another animal that had similar conditions. Well, right. I mean, if, if he was tracing through the map, uh, using his theorem of, of finding each corner of a 40-mile square radius in a, cer- you know, in a certain ratio of direction, mm-hmm. then um, if a lot of these go unreported, then, of course, at some point, he's going to hit them. Is he going to hit them every time? I don't know. I don't know how prevalent uh, that, uh, I mean, I was only on the farm maybe a year, year and a half, and we lost one head that I remember. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't know how prevalent it is to lose a head out of a, out of herd. I don't know. Um, so it's, it's, it's curious to me that I have to wonder, had he called outside of that grid, would he have found, you know, something else? I mean, it, is he too confined to the ratio of corner, corner, 40 mile, 40 mile, 40 mile? Right. I, like, I have know, to wonder if clients. I called right Yeah. If I you called mean, out yeah, right now, you're asking totally. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a tough call because, like you said, it's dependent on uh, what's missing, really. I mean, if a guy's like it's a prized stud bull that somebody's, sure. you know, you're going to pay a little more attention to it than yeah, not. But, but I hear you, like applying that formula to that, like he was calling the spots, like he said, in the corner, straight right. on. And maybe, like, I don't know the circumstances, maybe there were farmers that had reported dead cows in the area, but not particularly mutilated. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you say, cows die all the time. I mean, these sure. critters, especially up here, too, like you said, with, uh, you know, animal attacks, whatever else, it's not uncommon. So, but, like, the thing with scavengers not touching them, I think would clearly like would clearly define it for me, which is why if I was doing the same investigation that he did today, that that would that would be my second follow up question because that to me right away says, okay, this maybe this is outside the conditions of a dead animal, right? But you know, like still at at the same time though, Jeff, I find what he's done pretty astonishing in that a cow would die in that large an area. In that exact spot, so yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's so, definitely interesting. Um, I mean, I the only, that, like I said, the only thing I, I have is that if I made a call right now in a forty mile radius from me, mm-hmm. you know, would I hit one? And then in a forty mile radius from that, would I hit another? Um, using that same way of looking at things as your granddad did, I, I'm just right. curious. And, and once again, to, to contextualize that, this was based on this 1980 to 85 spate of right. mutilations that happened up there at the time. Maybe the pattern has shifted, I don't know. I, I no, thought yeah. something that was, uh, I listened to a, a podcast off of Linda Moulton House site there about uh, Tappan, North Dakota. Uh-huh. I don't know if you guys heard that one? No, uh, no, no. There was, uh, well, one, one of the kids, or it was either the kids in that, that house uh, or the, the farmer had said that he reported a blue grid pattern in the sky, basically like it was, and, he, and his exact words were, it was looking for something. Hmm. And, and when I heard that, too, like the same thing as uh, emailing you, Jer, I, alarm bells went off in my head. Grid pattern, searching for cows. Right, uh, right. You know, so I tried to email Linda. I gave her Gramps' number. She she didn't call him back, but... Uh, Shocker. 
Maybe she listens to your show. I don't know. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, right. See why I have some problems with it. Well, like, you know, there's a lot of other researchers doing this too. I mean, David, oh, yeah, absolutely. Chris O'Brien, you know, Gail Stalin or however you pronounce her name. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe they can take this into stride a little bit more or use this as a tool to help them define, uh, future patterns and you know like like gramps was saying tether a cow to a pole and stick a camera on <laughs> yeah yeah uh, uh, i don't know how the cow would feel about that um, <laughs> yeah but, um, no, but like, like you can uh, having worked on a dairy farm attest to the fact that they're not easy to sneak up on are they um well yeah i mean some of them are some of them are dumber in a mud fence as pop used to I, say I, but Actually, let me let me retract that statement. I guess if you're handling them in a dairy farm, they'd probably be a little more approachable. But uh, yeah, yeah, up yeah. here where they're in the mountains and they're running away from pretty much everything, they're they're hard to sure. corral. Even oh, they're know. they're skittish as hell. I mean, and, yeah. and a sheep, a uh, sheep is worse because uh, uh, I know here if you, well, I know from experience that if you sneak up on a sheep well enough, and you happen to, I, I remember walking through the field and. Um, there was a dead one on the hill, and um, and I asked Pop, you know, what what did this? Because there's not a mark on him, nowhere, uh, yeah. or her. And um, uh, he said they're faint of heart. He said they. Uh, he said anything could have done that. Scared it, and he said it will literally scare them to death. Yeah. Um, and I made the mistake of walking up behind one 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 day, and and uh, she didn't obviously didn't see me, and somebody hollered at me from across the hill, and I yelled back. <laughs> and uh, she collapsed, um, and and it took quite a while before she ever got up again. So right. um, it was it was a good matter of minutes before she she came to. But they'll faint, uh, so they're not they're Great. not. Uh, you can't sneak up on one of those none too easy because they will hear you. Yeah. Uh, well, Rob, I just want to clarify one little point, which has probably been clarified and I missed it, uh, which is that your grandfather didn't invent this pattern. He saw the pattern. And then it sort of unfolded from there, right? That, that's what you're saying about those early mutilations yeah, is that he, yeah. he sort of stumbled into it and then and then went Eureka, a pattern. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what I gather from the gist of it. Like he said, uh, I don't know if he defined it clearly enough, but once he started from the highest point in the Rockies and then started drawing lines down to reported ones out of the newspaper... Um, what he started seeing was not the lines that he had drawn out from that highest point, but that it was happening in a 40-mile square area. And to test that, that's when he started buying township maps up and uh, using those to contact guys based on that hypothesis. Now, you know, and i got to say, the, the guy, he's a smart guy. He's not by any means a scientist. Um, you know, I mean, and this... This is pretty amazing to take uh, that much free time to go and buy those maps, call those guys up out of the blue and talk to them that no one wants to talk about. Right, you know? Right. Um, I don't know. Uh, I hope it's of some use to somebody who's listening. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure uh, Sure, it will be. <laughs> I don't know how I'm sure of that, but I'm sure it will be. <laughs> um, you know, and... As you guys continue to talk about, I know you guys have mentioned a lot about the, it might be the military, it might not, you know, to that end of it. 
And I'm, I'm still, I have no idea who's doing it. You know, I thought I knew, I thought I had a handle on it. And then it's like, you know, it's just as bizarre. It raises as many questions as soon as you get an answer, there's like five more questions. So, yeah, yeah. Research and investigation into the enigmatic. Eerie Radio is a weekly podcast that features interviews with the world's leading paranormal researchers. Download episodes of Eerie Radio from your favorite podcatcher or directly from the show website at www.eerieradio.com. Eerie Radio. Listen. Learn. Laugh. Greetings. You are about to enter the new sphere. A roundtable stream of consciousness podcast on subjects related to and inspired by the paranormal, metaphysics, and science. Join us for our broadcasts or visit our website at www. Podcast.com, where you can download past episodes and join in our discussion forums. We will break your mind. This is Stan Friedman, and you're listening to Paratopia. All right. Cattle mutilations, Harold Green, and go. So... <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, number one, let, let's get it out of the way. I certainly appreciate Rob and, and uh, his granddad, uh, Mr. Green, coming on to talk to us about this. And it was interesting. Uh, my, my, my issue is, and it's pretty much the deal breaker for it, is that when you don't, uh, or if you've got a theorem and you don't run some kind of control test on that, uh, meaning calling outside the grid line uh, for... You know, how about 40 miles around you? Or how about uh, um, just outside of the grid line? And you call a farmer and you say, have you had anything come up missing? Have you had anything mutilated? Uh, Why, yes, I have. If you don't do that, then it almost renders the whole idea useless. Because, you know, I I don't think we can know. Um, I mean, as Rob said, you know, cows do die all the time. Uh, and I'm not sure, but um, uh, I have to wonder if the cows that were dead, based on the 40-mile corner theory, were they mutilations or were they just dead? Uh, dead from what? What were they dead from? Were they mysterious circumstances or not? Um, and then the fact that they have no chronological order um, is also hinky at that point. Um, I mean, we just we can't verify that this is... It's interesting, yes. Um, is it beyond coincidence? No. Um, because we don't know the whole circumstances between every death of a, of a head, and they're not in chronological order. 
So one could have been from 1980, one could be from 1977. Uh, years apart, um, but I, I, I would think up there when you're talking about a cattle area, I would think just about every farmer at some point or another is going to lose a head. Uh, I mean, that just stands to reason. They don't live forever. They're not, they're not fragile animals, but they, they get sick, they die. Um, and as they said, they're talking about uh, acres and acres of land that these things have to roam on. And uh, it is easy to lose them. I mean, I lost them. I mean, we lost the one on uh, 10 acres. I don't understand how it's hard to sneak up on a cow if, if cattle tipping is something that people do. Well, that's when they're asleep. Um, I mean, when they're... So couldn't a, couldn't a predator sneak up on them? Sure, when absolutely. Asleep? When they're asleep, yeah. I mean, if they're laying down, absolutely. Um, uh, I, I, was, I would never approach one and it not know that I was there. It would turn its head and look at me, but it didn't go anywhere because uh, they were used to being milked all the time. So I got grab one, bring her back to the milker, do the job, and take her back out. But, um, uh, I mean, could you go up? Uh, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I've slapped many a one in the ass that didn't know I was there. Still still talking about cows, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. um, and they were plenty surprised when I, you know, when I spanked them. Um, you know, if, <laughs> if they're out there and they're, they're um, uh, they tend to rub their head a lot on fence posts. Because they get flies around their eyes if you don't keep their eyes clean. Um, everybody's probably seen that with horses and stuff like that. They're always kind of like moving their head around or shaking their head. Um, so occasionally a cow will find a, a bush or um, a fence post or edge of a gate to rub its face on. Um, and when they do that, they don't know their own strength. And they'll tear the gate right off if you're not careful. Um, uh, or sometimes they just stumble into the gate. Um, so you go up behind them and crack them on the ass and get out of here, and they take off. They didn't know I was sneaking up on them, or they would have looked back at me, and they didn't. So it's easy to, to sneak up on cows, uh, at least from my experience around here. Um, what it's like out there, I don't have any idea. Um, but um, Well, but there's also the, the third issue, then, is that there's no control for what a mutilation is i mean if right if you ask a farmer hey did, was there a mutilation and they say well predators got to it and then you say well did you see the predator and they say no right that doesn't mean anything right well you nine times out of ten you wouldn't see it anyway um i mean especially when you're talking about nocturnal predators um they're going to take what they can put drag off and, and go um, now if he had said that 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 the cattle or the whatever they exhibited the signs of mutilation, you know, some sort of surgical procedure. Right, right. I mean, none of that's qualified in this. I, I mean, that I can tell. Um, uh, I, I was thinking that that uh, Mr. Green had gone out to the site to, I don't know, kind of do that insurance guy thing where they examine um, the cow and all of that, and I thought maybe he would done, had done that, but he hadn't done that. So it's really hard to qualify the grid system theory that he's got based on, number one, no control calls outside of that grid, and and also not being able to qualify exactly what does a mutilation mean. Um, I mean, I would say that if every person, excuse me, that he called inside, you know, inside of his theorem there, said, 
yeah, I had one show up with uh, the rectum cord out of it, and uh, there's no blood, and everything looks like it's been cut with knives. Okay, it's a little weird. It's still not out of the realm of possibly being more widespread than what he's seeing, uh, because he didn't control call outside of that grid. I mean, I can't overemphasize how important that is. Uh, and you, you go to a crop circle and you you uh, you have bent nodes and bent nodules and you've got uh, higher than background radiation and you've got uh, uh, overlapping weaving of the uh, the stalks. Okay, cool. You don't just take the samples inside the circle. You go outside of that circle by you know 200 yards and you take one there and then you go another 200 yards and you take another one. That's just an example. I would probably go you know, X amount of feet, and just continue out. So we could say, is this an absolute isolated, just say a circle formation? Uh, what is the the the, the uh, characteristics of the grain inside, and what is the characteristics of the grain outside? Um, if they're the same, then maybe this isn't as paranormal as we think. Um, same goes for this grid. If you don't make those control calls outside of your theorem, you have no way of knowing if your theorem is a theorem. <laughs> uh, so it, it almost, like I said, it almost renders it useless to a certain point, you know. But I certainly appreciate them come, both coming on the show to talk about this. And, uh, and, and something may yet come out of it, because if somebody out there is investigating these things and they want to try that out, um, I'd be very curious to see if, if that pattern shows up anywhere else, or if it's just showing up uh, for Mr. Green, I don't, I don't know. So uh, I leave the door open, but I find it kind of very suspect at this point that you know we just don't have enough information on how this was conducted or control calls or what's the qualification for the mutilation. We don't know any of this. Like things. I said, I will, I will put this out to the list. Right. Oh, and if any, uh, if any of them fish want to bite, they'll bite. Right. Exactly. Uh, get into contact with them. So, Era. so what's going on in your life, Jeffrey? What's going on in your life? Uh, I wrecked my car on Easter. Uh, right. Right. 50 mile an hour head-on collision with a deer. Um, everybody's fine. My wrist is swollen and hurts, and I'm bruised on my knees. Uh, my son was with me. He's fine. Uh, the deer didn't fare so well. She was killed on impact and thrown out underneath my car, took three steps and collapsed beside the road. Um, I did not collect the meat, um, and, uh, That's good. why would you collect the meat? Um, well, I mean, I've never hit a deer, but I was with a guy at the time we hit a deer and he went out and threw it in the truck and we took it to a butcher. So, um, uh, sometimes if, if certain internal organs are not ruptured, uh, the meat's good still, uh, it's fresh kill. So, uh, but I can guarantee you she had serious internal injuries from hitting, um, and, uh, and unfortunately she, she was going away from me at a certain point and I was trying to, to slow down cause she was still in front of me, but then she just literally made a, a right angle turn and just laid right into the front of the car, which, uh, uh, well, right front passenger side and tore the front fender all to crap and, uh, broke the headlights, dented the hood. And then when she came out the underneath, she put a nice big dent in my trunk. Uh, so she was toppling end over end. She's, she's a big one, though. Had an ass on her about as wide as a lawnmower. So, 
Now, is this a real deer, or is this when you see, like, eyes of a deer, but it's an alien? Uh, no, it was a real deer. <laughs> real deer that you hit? That's right, yes. It was not an alien of, of any sort. Um, mm. uh, I find that suspect. Right, right. Maybe we can drop a grid, and if in another 40 <laughs> miles, I may hit another deer. <sighs> yeah. That's my contribution to the show. Uh, aside <laughs> from good. that... Um, uh, yes. Let's uh, oh, let's let's make mention of the raffle. Correct. Uh, go on, uh, folks. Go to www.paratopia.net, and at the very top of the page, you will see the raffle for Marley Woods. And we have a uh, a very kind and generous man wrote us, uh, who I'm uh, I'm always forgetting the name of, and I'm going to the site right now. So please excuse Mark, this this short. It Mark is Brabant. Is that what it is? That's right, Mark Brabant. Um, I Mark, I'm sorry if I don't say that name right, but uh, Mark donated three gorgeous prints, all High Strangers related. Uh, uh, Retriever lifted, and it never made a sound. And that is the High Strangeness set there. Um, all limited editions, and Mark is graciously going to edition number those for one lucky winner. Uh, raffle tickets are $3 a piece. You can buy as many as you like. On the right-hand side of the screen, you'll see the Marley raffle, and the amount's already filled in, and you hit make a donation, and uh, we will put your name on a little piece of paper, throw it in a hat, and we're going to draw those well a week from this airing of this show. Uh, so we'll, we'll definitely be announcing the winner uh, on the website and the message board, so get in there and buy them tickets, because they're all, all of the money is going to Ted Phillips and the the Center for Physical Trace Research, to set up cameras and equipment in Marley Woods so that we can all watch what's going on out there. And my Nintendo Wii, is that correct? Uh, that would not be correct. No, that, would, correct. that would be stealing, and uh, you'll go to jail. In fact, I am nowhere near the PayPal, so... And Ted would probably uh, beat you to death. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, so, so get in there and get those, and... Uh, is there any way that we can um, buddy up with perhaps like AboveTopSecret.com if we advertise them? AboveTopSecret.com. And maybe just make an announcement over there about the raffle as well? Uh, I will have to uh, ask Mark Allen about that. Yeah. and uh, Maybe if I say it a third time, AboveTopSecret.com. That's right. And uh, uh, they got a nice big board with huge membership over there. Um, Let's get some of their money to my Wii. I mean... To Marley Woods. And I do all their all their uh, visual analysis over there for the UFO stuff. So You still do? Uh yeah. Yeah. Mark uh, emailed me a couple uh, a week or so ago. You know what I saw that I thought was kinda of ridiculous? Well and everyone knows <laughs> <laughs> everyone knows I'm a huge Whitley Mark. Um and yet uh Whitley Streber is having a guy what is his name? I think it's Steve Neal. I could be wrong, but he's I think it's Steve Neal, who's an artiste right. and a probably a photographer as well. But he's going to have some sort of like, uh, I guess it's an episode of the show or an online chat. I think it's an episode of Dreamland where they take a look at YouTube videos of potential UFOs and he yays or nays based on the YouTube quality YouTube video. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That That is a problem, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> Like, that's completely worthless, isn't it? Yes. Huh. Yeah. YouTube videos are completely worthless for any kind of examination at all. 
Um, I mean, number one, because of the compression. Number two, because uh, uh, YouTube, being what it is, uh, even at the HD resolution that they call it, uh, YouTube tends to hide a multitude of sins that uh, otherwise can be picked up real, real easily. Uh, I mean, a lot of times if they're blatant fakes, you can certainly tell that. Well, I thought it was weird, you know, Whitley's on Twitter, and I follow his Twitters, and so is Mac Tony's. Mm-hmm. Mac Tony's, I think, I think Twitter is actually somehow melded to his fingers. Yeah. Like, he can't stop Twittering day and night. Yeah, I'm not a Twitterer. Uh, I'm not barely a Twitterer, but, but now and then I'll, I'll Twitter. Um, but in any event, I, I watch these things, and, you know, Streber had a link to, I didn't watch the video, but he had a link to a video of potential UFOs, and Mac Tony's had made a comment to him saying... Something like, yeah, this looks like uh, balloons or birds or something, you know, right. something mundane. And Struber wrote back saying, "Well, don't don't be so sure. Don't don't judge them too harshly just yet." And um, I, why? What know, do you know? It's not like you, <laughs> yeah, well, he's not endorsing crap, right. but he's certainly trying to keep the door open for something that a guy like Mac Tony's, who I'm willing to take him at his word, if he just sees balloons and birds, that that's probably what it is. Right. You know. Right. Uh, I just, I don't understand why Whitley sets himself up like that, you know? I think... Why would you... Well, I... Is it for this episode with Steve Neal, where he's going to look at this footage and... Well, maybe. I I mean, I think, um... uh, I mean, first of all, I think Whitley is an incredibly smart man. But I think when it comes to certain things, he's, uh... uh, Easily taken for a ride. I'll say that. Uh, Whitley is my John Lear, isn't he? (laughs) <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I don't think he fits into that category, but I think that... Well, no, 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 you know, I mean, but I, I was just thinking about what Friedman had said about Lear, which, which is, you know, yeah, I've been to his house, and I just think he, basically the same thing, you know, I think he uh, just, you know, takes too much at face value, which, um, uh, although I don't believe that about Lear, I think Lear's a con man, I don't think Whitley's a con man. Um, well, I just think that, um, I think Whitley gets a little bit and it happens to a lot of people. It's not just like it, this is the way he is. This happens to a lot of people that when they're so inundated with weirdness, uh, that sometimes it becomes difficult to uh, negate uh, certain things. You become somewhat less critical sometimes. Um, and I, you know, I mean, I think when I first noticed that about Whitley was way back at the Hale Bob thing. Um, I mean, he got kind of on board to a certain degree with all of that on the Art Bell show. And, uh, you know, and, and of course we know how that all ended, but... Uh, well, to be fair... You know, uh, you apologist. Know, th- that was, well, because that was all from <laughs> Courtney Brown, who, I don't know if you read his two books of remote viewing. Well, yeah, I mean... so I, completely detailed, it's so easy to get sucked in and say, yeah. yes, this is what aliens are, this is what they're doing, this is where they're from. Yeah. This guy has it. Yeah, I mean, I was doing that at the time. I was like, holy crap. Yeah, well, I mean, at the same time, Whitley was the one who was telling people to meditate at the comet. Um, so, I mean... Come, <laughs> that I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I'm pretty sure that's what I heard. Um, and, I thought uh, he was just supporting the photos that Courtney Brown gave to him. I, I, well, I don't know. I don't know. I, all I know is that that all ended very badly, and Whitley was kind of the tandem with Art Bell and and, uh, and Courtney Brown. That was all Not like to they be were an all... apologist again, but it didn't really end poorly. I mean, did we really need Heaven's Gate? Uh, <laughs> were they really serving society in any positive way? 
<laughs> you are a bastard. Oh, sorry. Uh, so, I, I mean, I wasn't even referring to that really. I was just, you know, essentially that there, there, there wasn't anything really there to speak of. It was just a comment. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, don't tell Bo and Peep that. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we'll be telling them anything. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think that uh, I think it's easy to get sucked into that. Um, uh, that kind of thing. And I, I think also that, well, I think a lot of people recognize that Whitley was going to be a voice in this, and he still is. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of, with qu- questionable facets to them, actually glommed on to him, and, and he kind of got unfairly lumped in with some people. Um, I don't say that this is all his fault or that he's an idiot. That's certainly not the case. But I think that he... He leaves himself very open to all possibilities with this stuff, and a lot of them don't really have any merit. Um, Why doesn't he love me, Jeff? I can't answer that. Um, Makes me uncomfortable. Um, But uh, I don't. uh, I don't think anything with a YouTube video is worth a damn. Um, And and by the way, that was the first indication that the. uh, I mean, we all pretty much knew when the new O'Hare witness video showed up that it was crap, and, you know, you just asked those standard questions. Good, how do I get a copy, and uh, why don't you contact me here, because I was a primary analyst on that, so, uh, yeah, send me a copy. And then you don't hear anything? There's your red flag right there. Nothing more needs to be said. Uh, so, according to certain authorities, I uh, completely made all of that up. Yeah, right, Okay. <laughs> Because I'm a nobody who needs attention and, and right. thought I could steal a headline. You're also the devil. That's true. Um, yeah. but, that part uh, is true. Yeah, right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's the problem with the, most of the YouTube videos. Number one, they're anonymous. Number two, uh, an anonymous can be worked around if the data is interesting. Uh, I'll look at anonymous footage if it's interesting. If it's not structured objects, if it's just lights in the sky, don't bother me. Um but uh, if it's moderately interesting, yeah, I'll look at it. Uh, but I don't think anybody's going to put their name behind something like that and say this is legitimate because you just don't know. Well, when you uh, do analysis for AboveTopSecret.com, yes. uh, do they now, knowing you, do they send you everything still or will they only send you like something where an alien is windexing the windows on the craft? Not everything. Most stuff, the board members there are pretty... Uh, sharp when it comes to uh, looking looking at some things. Uh, some board members are pretty sharp. Uh, others just want to believe so badly that they'll swallow any pill. Um, but I would say there's a, a good core group there that can ferret out nonsense pretty easily. And that, at that point, it doesn't matter. Uh, they, they blow it off and the thread dies. Um, but if it's something genuine that... Uh, that uh, you know, Mark Allen would get an email about, I saw this, I've got the video, uh, it's very interesting. He'll have a cursory look, and then um, usually the tape gets sent to me um, to go over. And and I have to be honest that uh, aside from one instance that I can remember where we actually know, I mean, let's let's kind of you know set a tone for how this works. It's like if you have anonymous video... Uh, that you don't want your name associated with. You you have video that you don't want to take ownership of. That's fine, as long as I know who you are, 
or above top secret, uh, Mark Allen knows who you are. Okay, we know who you are. Uh, it's a little different than I've got this. Here it is, and you don't need to know who I am. That's suspicious. Uh, but if we know who it is, then you don't want your name out. That's fine. We'll work with that. Um, and we did have that uh, not long after O'Hare with uh, with a set of four photographs that were probably the most interesting of um, the ones that I've seen. And um, and wouldn't be that special. Uh, they do show, show a structured object, but wouldn't they're special for the very final shot, which is shot number four, which nobody could even see where the object was until I pointed it out, and it's in in between a bunch of leaves and sticks in the trees. Um, it's almost out of sight. Um, and, and I said, well, that, that makes it interesting to me because how far is someone going to go out of their way to fake a shot and fake it badly uh, to where the object is mostly obscured? That's not something hoaxers usually do. And, and it, they were very interesting. And we, we knew who he was. And uh, I would say that's been about it since then. Uh, for interesting things. Um, looked at some of the Kokomo footage, most of it airplanes, uh, stars. Two instances that I can think of uh, were definitely odd, but looked very much like to me of a, like a plasma type of light, like an earth light type of thing that more coincided with the, uh, the earthquake uh, that happened out there. And um, so that's kind of what I have to put it to you know if you, if you can't stand up to a skeptic and say i can't explain this uh, then you can't really call it anything paranormal per se let me just throw this out to you this is a, a post i just wrote for our forum I, I don't i haven't checked it to see what the reaction is but it just um dawned on me as i was dealing with unfunny people mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, in this very field of ufology, um, mm-hmm. how weird it is, and I know that you have the sense of this too, on on just even just a sardonic, ironic level, mm-hmm. that these beings that we call aliens or whatever mm-hmm. um, have that type of humor. They have a sense of humor mm-hmm. about them that seems to be at our expense, but nevertheless. Yeah. Um, and we don't. Ufologists don't. Uh, just, just how weird is that? I mean, I don't know. It just struck me like we're always talking about how ufology needs an enema and how they need to to um, laugh at themselves more, laugh at the situation more, or see mm-hmm. the humor in things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who in ufology does? Oh, I know. The aliens. <laughs> they seem to get it. You know, yeah. and not just on that sardonic sort of personal level, but also, I mean, you know, technically... On the level of, here are these beings from wherever they're from, mm-hmm. and they won't even tell us what they are. They won't even tell <laughs> us what species they are. <laughs> I mean, it's just incredible <laughs> to me. I mean, to me, like, the more I think about that, the funnier it sounds, you know? Like, could you imagine going to another planet or going to another dimension and not even, you know, you can communicate with these people, but you're not even going to tell them what you are. You're not even going to identify uh, your species. Well. <laughs> it's just ludicrous. <laughs> Well, I, the reason that most ufologists don't have a sense of humor is because uh, it's a it's a volatile field, and and uh, uh, I, I, a lot of times you don't feel like you can afford to be funny or um, you know off the cuff about anything because everything that you say basically gets 
reprinted, reposted, uh, taken out of context, uh, you know, um, uh, look back at, uh, you know, what little bit I did and, and with the Meyer stuff. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, to have a sense of humor and that kind of involvement is ridiculous because absolutely anything that you would say, and that happened, I mean, you know, uh, guy has taken uh, things that I say completely out of context and then turns them around and posts them. Well, that's so, different because that's, you know, that's a cult mi- mindset. Where, sure, sure. You know, they, they are humorless by by uh, uh, programming. <laughs> yeah, well, 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 I mean, you know, mass public, you, 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 you also can see that same kind of trait in a lot of ways. You, you, know, you may get five people who laugh back at your joke, and then you'll get three other ones saying, what's he really mean by that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I think that's the reason a lot of them are so deadpan serious. But as we know, um, <laughs> you know, if you can uh, approach some of these people in a social situation, they're, you know, they're very funny people and, and uh, laid back and interesting. And It's sort of on my mind because, you know, we're, we want to go to this here X conference, right? And it's like, you know, you've got like Steve Bassett debating John Alexander about what, you know, right. you've got all of these self-important, self-involved people, some of whom have a credentials and some of whom don't, some of whom are complete charlatans, some of whom are not. Right. And they're all going to be up there dancing at the stripper pole for us and um, talking about what they think they know. And the the object of what they think they know is sitting back and going, we haven't even told you what species we are. Right, right. What are you talking about? <laughs> you you don't even well, know where we're from. You don't even know what space we're from. Well, they're in, they're interpreting their data, and I'm making those little quote marks with my fingers. So... Um, you know that that's what they're and their data, f- flawed or unflawed, um, you know, is is their own. And uh, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of people uh, make a, a lot of postulations that don't enter into what well, I think or it's my opinion or maybe it could be. It's always uh, let's see if you remember this quote. It is absolutely, positively, without question, extraterrestrial. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you'll remember who that is. Steve Bassett. Uh, yeah. And uh and and not a freaking clue what it is. Again, you know, you, you begin to sound like the Mar- what is it the the, the Maravingian from the uh, Matrix movies. You came here because you were sent. You know, you only know what you know because someone told you. Um that doesn't always cut it. Uh rarely cuts it. I mean, that's the unfortunate part about it. I think it's all. I mean, it's all polluted. You know that. <laughs> it's all polluted. Um, there's no getting around that. But uh, there will be good people there to talk to. So uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to that part. Um, the rest of them, you know, you just you don't you don't go into the auditorium. You know, that's it's <laughs> the best thing I can say. Just don't. Unless go they in. invented a Metatron, then you have. Well, to then you have to, but you know. You, that's that's uh, that's comedy fodder at that point. Uh, it's, right. So shouldn't he? Shouldn't that guy of all people have a sense of humor? Uh, probably not. I would say there's probably. I will cleanse your house of evil spirits with the Metatron. My small credit card gold stamp thing. Yeah. <laughs> God, what are we doing? I don't know. What are we doing with this? You know. I don't know. Think back to Heineck. Don't hang out with the fringe because you get tarred with the same brush. Why don't we listen to him? 
God rest his soul. Well, because we have um, we have a, a sort of artillery on our side that they that Heineck never dreamed of, which is I'm bringing with me a professional stand-up comedian. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll be a trip. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, very good. <laughs> well, we'll be there right now as this airs. So uh, that's oh my god, that's like that's like time really isn't linear. How did that happen? That's correct. And unfortunately, I won't be at the X conference until. Um, the evening on the on the on the beginning of the weekend. So, because uh, I was uh, out of work today, hurting and trying to get my car looked at. So, uh, anyway, I won't be there Friday during the day. Mm, that sucks. So yeah, it does kind of suck, but uh, you know, work must be done. Um. Yes. Anyway, though, I, I'm sure we're having a great time. <laughs> right now, as we I'll speak. bet you, I'm drinking a Guinness right now as I'm talking about this. My one Guinness of the. Uh, we are probably right now getting Nick Pope really drunk to, uh, to say <laughs> yeah. some things he will later regret. And Edgar Mitchell. Edgar Mitchell yes. is avoiding us. <laughs> right, probably. Edgar Mitchell yeah. asked me for sixty bucks just cause. Right. <laughs> Keep those guys away from me. <laughs> for those who don't know, uh, the last uh, X conference, uh, Edgar Mitchell s- stole sixty of my dollars for an autograph. It's not stealing. He provided you a service. That's that's right. <laughs> he certainly did. There you have it, folks. Paratopia. Yeah, so, Jeff, we've been talking about going to the X conference and, you know, your car is smashed and all that, and that's cute and all, but um, yeah. the fact is, even though they let you import your car via cargo boat. Right, yeah. It's not like they're going to let us just, you know, I don't know, take it off the island and, and go to the X conference. we got to actually, like, figure out how to get there. Not that we could even do that anyway, because you crashed it. Well, here's the thing. Not that I'm blaming you. I mean, you, you hit a deer. Yeah, well. Uh, I mean, it's not your fault, Jeff. No. Jeff, uh, it's not your fault. I, I know. Shh, Jeff. Shh, Shut up. Shh, shh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um... No, here's the thing. It's a it's a 1989 Ford Thunderbird, and and they're so you fly rel- us out of here. They're, no, they're rather large. No. I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. Go on. Have you noticed how much cork there is on this island? Like cork. natural cork. So what if we made a big raft on the bottom of the car and we paddled the car home? What do you think? Um. I think you're the dumbest person I've ever spoken to. Okay, thanks. <laughs> but purely based on what you just said, I mean, not anything before. Right. And probably not anything after. Just specifically that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But um, so stupid it just might work. Jeff and Jeremy sneak around the island and build a cork raft out of Jeff's old total Thunderbird? Or is that the dumbest plan ever devised? Or is it dumb like a fox? Tune in next week and find out. That's the construction of the raft in the background.